Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. Today's show, we have Greg Spadaccini. Did I say it right? You did. I do much better with Italian names than some of the other ones, but I'm, I'm married to a Basiglio, so there you go. I have to spend every day on the phone correcting people about my wife's last name. But you go, are you known to by friends and family as Spatty? I go by Spatty or Greg. Greg um, or Spatty. I introduce myself as Greg, but I like being called Spatty, it's but it's just- Spatty's you know, badass. Yeah. I mean, what, why wouldn't you want to go by yeah, that? That's a good old so, family nickname. So I met you uh, in the earlier part of this year. I don't remember exactly when you opened up your store there in South Tampa, but was it in the end of 2019? Yeah, we opened up uh, November 2019. So for people who don't recognize you or your name, what's your business? So I own Spatty's Coffee. We have a location in Seminole Heights, which started out as a trailer. And then November 2019, we opened down in South Tampa, right next to McDill Air Force Base in our first brick and mortar shop. Did I remember that you had a presence in Armature Works or you were looking at that? or No, no Armature. We had some conversation. Maybe there's another. You had a friend that was there. there was Joel, uh, we got a, a buddy of mine, Joel, with Union Sling Coffee over. That's probably Works. what it was yeah. that I'm thinking of. So, uh, I mean, the coffee business has really kind of taken off in the past as far as what you do, I would say the past 10 years, I mean, obviously Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts became, you know, ubiquitous in everybody's life much further back than that. But I grew up in the age of Folgers cans, uh, you know, but coffee's become like bourbon or wine where, you know, the beans, the, the where it's from, the all this other stuff, which I'm going to ask you about, uh, it, it's really become its own Absolutely. Niche world. And I think it's really cool. How is it? How did you get into that world? The coffee world? Yeah. Um, I was working in the hospital. So prior to opening the coffee shop, I was working midnight shift over here at St. Joe's in the okay. ER. And if you know anybody that works midnight shift, we're just coffee addicts. Kill it, well, yeah. Like yourself, you know? Well, well yeah. It doesn't and, necessarily have to be uh, if you have small children, yeah. <laughs> if you're an attorney, if you're a police officer, if you're in the military. You're pounding coffees. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just making cold brew and, uh, Making it, making it for work, making it for our, our friends at work. And, and what would you use? Did you, did you actually seek out anything or were you just, man, I was using was... really bad stuff. Sure. I, I was just using whatever I could get at the time. I would go to Whole Foods or I'd go to Publix, whatever I can grab on the shelf and, and make cold brew and just started developing tastes. And so how do you make cold brew? Cause I'm, I, I'm an idiot in this world. I drink, <laughs> I'm great at drinking it. I know shit about it. So, so, uh, the way we make ours is we do, uh, equal parts coffee to water okay. and we let it sit for 18 to 20 hours overnight okay. and we strain it in the morning. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's a really, honestly, it's a simple process the way we do it. Some people get a little more intricate with it. Um, but we just steep, uh, five pounds of coffee with five gallons of water in okay. a big old sock. And in the morning, every day, we strain it out, put it in a keg and run it on some nitrogen and serve it on tap. Molecularly or chemically, what what, are, what is that achieving? What is that doing? What's the point of doing it? That With way? cold brew, you get a less bitter taste. Okay. Uh, so you get all the coffee flavors and you're using more coffee to brew your batch. So you're taking the acid out of it? You're or? Getting a, yeah, you're getting a much less acidic coffee. Okay. And uh, because you're using so much coffee to get your end result, you're... Naturally, you're going to get high caffeine. All yep. right. You're talking um, my language now. Yep. So high caffeine, smoother, less acidic. So a lot of people that have stomach problems or, you know, issues with their teeth, they sometimes switch over to cold brew. I have both of those things. So I need to yeah, think about same. cold brew. Yeah. So I, I, I'm crushing the, uh, well, I'm the, the generic brand. The, I'm a Prezol, the Prilosec off oh, brand. Yeah. And then, yeah, I have a, 
my my yellow tooth that when I was a kid, <laughs> I uh, was coming in from the pool and I slipped and I nailed my face on the the door, whatever you call the we call the little rail that goes across the bottom of a door. You know what I'm talking about. The I know what you're talking about. So, and it killed the root of my tooth. So the tooth calcified and uh, I've gone to dentists and my whole wife's family are orthodontists and it kills me because their teeth are just pristine and they all drink <laughs> tons of red wine, but my teeth are, well, look like a bag of candy. Uh, did it turn cards. blue? But, uh, I had a friend it, I grew it, up it with. Didn't, it didn't, it didn't do that. I've seen that. It didn't do that. <laughs> but the, the end of this, gross and kind of irrelevant story is that uh for me to whiten my teeth i either need to have them put a veneer on that tooth and then bleach the rest of my teeth to match that color or i need to bleach my teeth to the color that i want them to be and then they'll put a veneer on but i can consume no coffee or red wine um during that time period and Oof. I'm I'm the cold brew of wine and coffee, meaning I'm equal parts wine and coffee. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much that's how tough. I how I get myself up in the morning and how I get myself to bed you at have night. To pop some caffeine pills, something. Oh, yeah. Geez. So anyway, but uh, so that's interesting about the cold brew. So um, you kind of were self taught. Is yeah. that accurate? Yeah. Um, and what year would this have been when you were working? Two thousand and. 14, 15, I was working at the hospital um, doing all this YouTube and how to make coffee, literally YouTube, how to make cold brew, YouTube, how to pull an espresso shot. So just from a timeline perspective, I, I know when I started to become more aware of these off brand shops, you know, like I, I listened to uh, what's I, so I listened to the Mark Marin podcast and he's got a coffee that uh, does his own special brew. Um, just coffee dot co-op or something like that. And okay. there's all these little mom and pop shops. When did those really start popping up? So like you said earlier, the, the last 10 years, we've really, has it been had, about yeah, 10 years? It's been about 10, 15 years yeah. where, you know, if a coffee shop popped up 10 years ago. No one really can remember or even right. have the conversation about it. Um, and you had mentioned earlier, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. And thankfully they've paved the way for, you know, they've got everybody hooked on the product. Well, they've <laughs> got guys like us being able to charge $4 for a cup yeah, of coffee. Cause yeah. my parents, there's no way in hell my parents are dropping four bones on a cup of coffee. Oh, for sure. Like you said, the can of Folgers. I, yeah. my mom every day grew up pot of Folgers, uh, can of Folgers on the counter, big old pot of coffee. And that probably cost her pennies on the dollar. Yeah. So you're getting essentially slave cultivated coffee, yeah. bad quality coffee, nothing sustainable. And, uh, Luckily, Thank you now, for bringing that up and make sure I don't end this podcast without talking to you about sustainability yeah. and kind of the agricultural and ecological aspects of it, because that's definitely something I, I don't do notes for these shows. So I have to kind of keep it up here. And, and no problem. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. So um, anyway, so past 10 years, that's that's about when I started noticing it. Now, as far as, you know, with wine, we've got Napa, Sonoma, we've got, you know, different parts of Italy. We've got France, we've got the desert and all these different areas where the, the uh, climate is such to uh, cultivate the grapes that you need to make wine. Uh, obviously, Colombia is the first one that comes to my mind with coffee. What are kind of the areas that we're getting coffee beans from and, and what are there differences in taste from this, this part of the world versus that part of the world? Absolutely. Uh, so Brazil is going to be like the leading producer okay. of coffee. Okay. Um, the largest amount of coffee farms, Colombia, obviously up there as well, but, um, coffee kind of started or did start in Ethiopia. 
Oh, really? In Africa? Um, in Africa. Okay. Uh, many, many moons ago. If I told you a date, I'd be lying. But well, that's fine. Just make from, it. From, no from, one, from, no from, one else here knows. <laughs> from my uh, from my YouTube uh, university yeah. uh, teaching, the goats were eating coffee beans off the tree, off the plant, and uh, the goats were, you know, getting active. So yeah. That's when coffee became. They said, "Hey, let's try something consuming this." Yeah, yeah. So they started consuming it, and so Ethiopia, you'll get a lot of good coffees. Anything with high elevation. Um, so high elevation, does that have to do with temperature or moisture? A, a or little bit of soil quality. Soil quality. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot that goes into the farming and cultivation of coffee that are there I'll, I'll the people, of coffee. Are there, are, is there a, a similar there is, type of, yeah. Thing? So you'll have like Q graders who will grade coffee, okay. uh, who will grade green coffee, who will grade roasted coffee. Okay. You're going to need to explain all that. To yeah. Me, so so what that means. Coffee's a cherry. It's a fruit. Okay. It, the Essentially, there's a seed in the cherry, just like the cherries that you get at a store. There's sure. a seed in there. It's deep pulp. There's many different, there's two main ways to go through this process. Okay. Um, they'll either do a wash process or a natural process where they literally, and eat pretty much everywhere you go, each bean is picked by hand. Right. So when it comes to that price of coffee, like the work that goes into a coffee, one coffee bean is, it's insane when you really think about the whole process of getting a coffee from crop to cup. I'm going to go off on a tangent here because that's a um, analysis that is true in many aspects of business that I don't think people realize. I see it here as an attorney when I send someone a bill and they'll say, well, the case just started. And I was like, do you know how much I had to do to just get your case started? You know, I had to file the notice with the clerk. I had to go online and get your file. I had to print it out. I had to make my file. I had to call opposing counsel. I needed to set up an appointment with you. I needed to go through and do a consult, all this other stuff. And there was a there's an interview I was listening to uh, somewhat recently with Chad Muscat. You know who he is? I don't. So he's a skateboarder. He skateboarder. Oh, yeah. Chad yeah. Muscat. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he, in his later years, after many injuries, has become a, an artist. And they were talking to him about what a painting, what one of his paintings goes for. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you a number, but let me tell you why it's that number. He said, most of my pieces will probably go between 10, 15, 20, 25 grand. But the space that I have to rent to do that in costs me this much per month. To stretch a canvas costs me this much per month. The power for to light the studio costs me this much per month. The paints and supplies cost me this much per month. For me to show it in a studio, they get 50% of whatever I sell it for. Yeah. So by the time that person pays for that painting, I don't see 10% of what I'm charging for it. And so there's such a dissonance, I think, in the consumer world from understanding the pricing, uh, why things are priced oh, yeah. the way that they are. And it doesn't make it any better. I mean, 15 bucks is 15 bucks or 1500 bucks. I mean, it's still relative to what money you have. It doesn't matter what went into it, yeah. but maybe if people kind of understood the, pro now that's not always true. There are areas, that, you know, of, of industry where, you know, pharmaceuticals, the, the work that's going into it versus the amount that's being charged is vastly yeah. different. But like you're saying with these coffee beans, with art, with, you know, attorneys who are billing hourly, yeah. you know, if I'm charging a client $400 for an hour for divorce, I'm not putting $400 in my pocket. I'm, paying my bar dues. I'm paying my staff. I'm yeah. paying my power bill. I'm paying my sales and used to, you know, so you know all this stuff. And then 30 days later, uncle Sam wants his cut. Right. And at the end of the day, it's <laughs> almost like I can almost do nothing and make more money than <laughs> what I'm doing right now. Not that I'm looking for anybody to feel sorry for attorneys. Cause I know that's a, that's a, a, a 
uh, losing battle. But anyways, I digress. So getting back to your point about the coffee bean and why it costs what it does and the amount of work that goes into it, you were describing to me kind of geographically where things come from, what what plays into different strains or different types of coffee. So go ahead. Yeah. So we're, we're not a roaster. So we use roasters to roast our coffee for us. Right. So they're going to have relationships with the farmers and in a perfect world, they'll have a direct relationship with the farmer. And that so farmer, does it go farmer roaster to us, to yeah, you ideally, or distributor it, it, in between, or usually there's going to be some sort of middleman. Okay. Uh, we've gotten to a point and then coffee's at its Renaissance right now. last like three years specifically, in my opinion, since we got in the game It'll be four years next month for us, but I'd say between three and six years, coffee just had his renaissance now where people are learning, wow, there's a family in Colombia and all they do is grow coffee. And they're selling this coffee to this middleman who's got a shipping company who's taking the cut. He's making his coin and this family's unable to put food on the family. So yeah. by cutting out that middleman and working directly with roasters or people that are just sourcing coffee ethically here in the sure. state specifically, um, we're able to not guarantee, but we can, you know, provide a, a, a way of life for a good someone. product exactly. and, a, and an ethically a good product. sound product. Exactly. A good quality of life for whoever's picking the coffee, farming the coffee on that side of the, uh, on that side of the pond. Um, yeah. It's funny to me because, you know, I, and maybe I'm, you know, I always think I have some great novel concept and everybody else is like, you know, <laughs> really, you just thought of that. But it seems to me like the structure of, what has gone on with wine in the past 20, 30 years. There's really no reason that couldn't be where coffee is at. I mean, if you look at it, I have to imagine there's more coffee drinkers than there are wine drinkers in the world. I would, I would venture. I, I would make that assumption. Too. You don't need to be a certain age to drink coffee, exactly. right? You can operate a vehicle when you're drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, there's no uh, correlate to alcoholism with coffee. Uh, so you can it's it's acceptable to drink coffee all day long where yeah, you found a 12 pack before noon you get looked yeah, kind of weird you, yeah you drink yeah i've tired of having that argument with the guy at circle k up there on the corner um <laughs> but uh you know so the audience or the the uh clientele or whoever it is that you're appealing to seems to be much greater absolutely and as soon as you can kind of impute value to something and make it almost a collector thing or a, I don't know what the, the proper word yeah. is for it, but you know, I, I'm, I'm come from two school teachers. So collectively they probably made 40 grand a year. So I by no means came from a wealthy family. Uh, but my wife's family, the, the, you know, they, they've, they've been pretty successful. And so uh, they, I'll, I'll go have dinner with them and they'll bring a bottle of wine and they'll tell me about this bottle of wine, how much it costs. And I'm just like my testicles shoot up into my stomach. I'm like, <laughs> You know, and, and to me, I can have a, you know, I've, I, I've never purchased this, but I've had the opportunity to go have dinner with them where they'll have bottles of wine that are like $800 or $1,000 and I'll taste it. And it's like, that tastes really good, but it doesn't taste $790 better than the red velvet I'm getting up at CVS or oh, Walgreens. Yeah. Not to knock it. I think it's great, but I just don't have that. I, I, for me, you know, Irish Catholic, you know, I'll, I'll drink potato whiskey from it. Well, oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. So, um, but with coffee again, do you agree that there's kind of a model there to follow Absolutely. with wine? I mean, yeah. it really seems like there's an opportunity for there to be, you know, it, this has happened recently with whiskey and bourbon. You know, everybody's going to Kentucky and going on the bourbon trail or whatever. And, 
you know, I, I I think that's only been within about the past five or six years. Yeah. Now everybody's talking about that. There's an insane like resale whiskey right, market right, right. now. Right. So I mean, I I kind of feel like that's where coffee is is headed. Coffee's yeah, like we'll do coffee tastings, and a lot of it's gonna. It's a little different with wine where it's going to depend on like the winemaker. It's going to depend on the roaster. Sure. So we can get the best, we can get, we can get the best green coffee from Ethiopia and two roasters. One could absolutely botch it and one could do a phenomenal job. Right. So, and l- luckily for us, we have great local roasters we're working with. So we're working with people that know what they're doing. So we can go have a tasting with them and we can taste coffees from Honduras, Ethiopia, Colombia, Brazil, all at one sitting. And you, that's when you really develop your palate and say, wow, this coffee from Brazil's got notes of chocolate and banana. And, you know, if you have a really developed palate, I actually don't have a great palate, but then you'll taste a coffee from Ethiopia and you're like, wow, starburst, apples and cinnamon. Like you really, just like with wine, you have a wine tasting, you look at all these notes and you, you start to taste these different notes in coffee. Whereas before, especially my parents' generation, it was either you're putting a ton of cream and sugar in coffee or you're drinking a black, bold cup of coffee. Yeah. Like a farmhouse boy, like. <laughs> well, so I, you know, I've always struggled with my weight. Uh, and one of the big uh, contributors is when I start sussing up coffee. So I've really, uh, I've had periods of my life where it's straight black and I'm, I'm back there now. And that's why I love what you guys do is a good black coffee and a Folgers black coffee are worlds apart from oh, each yeah. other. And that's how I'm able to kind of do it is, you know, find something where just naturally it, it the, the taste, the flavor is there. You don't need to, like you say, pour tons of shit in there. And, yeah. And, I like to compare it more to the craft beer scene. Okay. Where even, uh, but yet even, another example, even a smaller, I think time frame was like, you know, six years ago, nobody drank a high life from cigar city or, you know, I like, had seen Joey, Red, Joe Redner senior on and Joey uh, junior is supposed to be coming in here. Nice. They're looking at a place up in uh, North Carolina right now. And that was something previously they were looking at doing was getting into the, have you been to Asheville? I have great, so you, great town. Oh my God. And Amazing. the beer scene there is beer coffee on top of it. Lovely. Yeah. I love that play. If I could take the bar, or if I didn't have to take the bar to practice law up there, I'd be up there. Better weather tonight. Better oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but no, probably I don't know. Probably what's newer the the craft beer scene or the bourbon whiskey scene. Those almost kind of yeah. seem to have popped at the same time. Absolutely. I I would I, I would have to assume that the I just think the beer scene is more common and more practical for people going just, to a bar down yeah, the street. The oldest hipster. Yeah. All of a sudden, the hipsters <laughs> knew about coffee and beer just out of the blue. Like yeah. before, I don't know what it was, you know. Well, then you have weed as it's going to, you know, yeah. very possibly be, you know, fully street legal here yeah. in some way, shape or form. I'm a medical marijuana patient myself. So, so I, uh, you know, there's all this. So these are these are kind of these these uh, areas that you can kind of curate and kind of become an an aficionado and yeah. have something to that that really appeals to people psychologically, like knowing about wine, knowing about coffee, knowing about beer, knowing about it's like a hobby. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for you about it and your, your world about it, because I feel like in some ways it's in its infancy and, and really could turn into a, a, a whole great movement. Yeah. My big thing is, I want to give someone people a, a drink they enjoy, whether that's a black cup of coffee or a ton of milk with a little bit of coffee sure. and sugar in it. Uh, there's just, I think that counter culture kind of thing, uh, way of life with well, coffee getting now. off of the mainstream markets. Exactly. Too. Uh, I was talking to somebody 
Well, I've had for, for, for some, for some reason, the synchronicity of life, I've talked in the past week to three different people who have their own chicken coops <laughs> and they're talking about how everybody has been hitting them up for eggs. And we started this conversation of, uh, with social distancing, with maybe mass markets like we've seen before might tend to kind of taper off a bit yeah. because getting something from a farm or getting something directly from apart aside from all the other considerations, you know, like you, we've talked about the ethics of it or, you know, uh, what's the phrase that you used for sustainability, sustainability, yeah. that sort of thing is, I almost wonder if there's going to be a, a renenaissance for private groceries in yeah general. private groceries yeah, I, private I think markets. there should be well I have a buddy over in uh Scott bitterly over in St Pete and he's uh I, I'm gonna forget what the what the phrasing is of it but he's really into uh, instilling sustainability into neighborhoods and cities with like public gardens for yeah. the homeless and I was hoping you were gonna get into that yeah, yeah. that that sort of thing like I don't think there's like a I, I kind of like pride myself on my front lawn. Like I got this nice green grass. Yeah. I cut it up, but like, why don't I have like a bunch of tomatoes yeah, and come by, pick peppers? It up and, and then right. my neighbor could have, and I don't even know this will grow in Florida, but sweet potatoes sure. and okra. And hey, let's just, instead of going and spending Trade money it. at Publix, who made, I think like record numbers during COVID, they did like $2 billion more than they normally do at this time of year. Like instead of going to Publix and getting groceries, like, why don't I just go over to Josh's house and be like, Hey, you got okra? I'll give you sweet potatoes for my okra. And, and you're probably not getting any pesticides. Exactly. And some of the other. And it sounds, if you talk some, they're like, this is crazy. What do you live in the twenties? Like, well, why not change things up a little yeah, bit? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't see what it would hurt. I mean, it's always nice to have options. Yes. So as far as the farmers that you're getting your coffee stuff from, how do you set up those relationships? I mean, are you going to those farms and seeing them firsthand? Have you done that? I unfortunately have never had that experience. Uh, we work predominantly with two local roasters, Zeal Coffee Roasters and Eastlick Coffee Roasters. Eastlick also owns. So the, the roasters are, are local yeah. or are the farms local? The farms are not local. Okay. No. So there's really going to, there might be people growing coffee in Florida or even in the U.S., but it's not going to be good quality coffee just because of the climate. Okay. Um, so most of our coffee recently has been coming from Colombia. Um, like our house blend year round comes, it's a Honduras and El Salvador blend. Um, but one of our roasters, Joel with Eastlit Coffee out of Oldsmar, um, they also work, they own Yellow Rooster, which is an importing company. So they're actually, they have direct relationships with the farms. They go out to the farms, know the farmers by first name. Uh, I mean, know the family, spend time with the family. So they get to go and see the entire process from start to finish, from going to the farm, getting imported here, roasted that there. That sounds rad. I would love it to is, do that. Yeah. And if you ever go to Columbia, let me know. Yeah. I would love to go with you. Not, I want to go. For, not for the reasons <laughs> that some people go to Columbia. I would yeah. like to go. I, I have, I have a, a member of my family who uh, has origins in Columbia, and I would like to know more about Columbia yeah. and kind of see it just from that perspective. I'm trying to plan a trip out there. Uh, my neighbor owns a shoe company, and they have a factory in Columbia. That's awesome. And he's trying to set up a uh, – a mountain biking excursion Ooh. in Colombia. So you we land there. Bikes too, shoes, that's yeah. another part of your life that I'm yeah. interested in. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, well, that's cool. So uh, you, the roasters locally are yeah. kind of how you made those relationships with the farmers. Yeah. And they, they caught us when we first started and we were using bad coffee and they're like, Hey, yeah. You want to not use bad coffee? Yeah. I literally, I was like, yeah, let's give it a Sounds go. Like I should use good I like, coffee. I was at like Coppertail in yeah. uh, Ebor sure. serving coffee on Sundays with a food truck. And we were serving like a dark roast. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it's a bad coffee. It's an organic coffee. Sure. It's ethically sourced, but it wasn't the greatest quality. And uh, the guys from Zeal came by and they're like, hey, try this stuff. And when I met them was really when I was like, all right, 
Now it's time to nerd out over coffee. I want to get to know how I can make the best cup of coffee, how we can make it better and, and do it right. Do you have that? Uh, is that part of your personality to kind of go down rabbit holes with something? Yeah. What, what other what other rabbit holes have you gone down? Oh, you know, like, man, that I'd like to publicly announce. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll ma- leave the cosplay and the, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, mountain biking and uh, gravel biking right now. I've just been like in this deep hole of like, all right, like. Got to get all the cool gear. Got to go to all the cool spots, plan these trips. Like, let's get after it. So I bought that kids ride yeah. shotgun uh, deal specifically because you I uh, mentioned it had to you, it. Huh? And I, so I have this, I'm, I'm similar to you. If you go in my garage, now I only have five skateboards in my garage, but at some point. I got about 85 here. Well, so. I got all the decks here, <laughs> but I've, but I've told my wife and the IRS that this is decoration for the office. So yeah. tax, yeah. tax write off. Um, but, uh, I had, uh, I'm trying to think of the SE racing bikes, you know, the, I had a fat ripper or whatever. Oh, the SE flyers. Yeah. Have you ever been to, uh, the hub, the Hoskins, uh, the, the bike oh, place yeah. right here. Joe so Hoskins, yeah. Have you ever been in there? Yeah. That guy's like badass. Yeah. He's pushing a hundred. It seems like Dude, you can't even get near that place during Corona. Oh, for sure. There's a line out the door, line but, out the door. but then if you go to the back room, he, he's this guy, I probably doesn't want me talking about this because <laughs> those bikes appeal to a certain yeah. sub, subsection <laughs> of the community that aren't, you know, into paying for them, but, um, he's got metal bars. He's good. Oh, I think he's been there forever. <laughs> I probably have a, a neighborhood uprising. Yeah. Anybody screwed with him, but, uh, I bought one of those and uh, I had all these dreams of jumping hills and doing all this stuff. And I keep forgetting that I'm 45 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I finally, luckily, my uh, my older cousin, who is more immature than I am, decided he would buy it off of me. Nice. He's got a kid who's like 12. And so they ride it together. But I went and got more of a, a more of a responsible bike. Uh, and it's an extra large frame. And I didn't consider that when I bought that kids right shotgun deal which if you don't know what that is uh moms and dads out there uh what's the name of the company is that the name of the company yeah i think it's ride shotgun ride shotgun or kids ride shotgun and basically what it is is instead of a regular kid seat for your bike you basically are uh fastening a, a a seat post to your frame and a smaller set of handlebars to your handlebars so your child can actually sit on the frame and hold the handlebars much in the same way that you're doing. And it's kind of a cooler way to ride around with your kids. It kind of lets them be a little bit more involved. You've got them in front of you, not behind you. They're not staring at your back. Yeah. Which if you've seen my back, that's doing my kids a huge favor. So, but anyway, so the bike thing, how did you get into that? About 10 years ago, I was working in an ER in South Florida before I moved up here. South Florida where? Uh, I, I grew up in Pembroke Pines, okay. which is in the Everglades. Sure. Grew up with the mosquitoes and the alligators. Sounds like a great Suburb. place to go bike riding. It's like the Wesley Chapel yeah. of the Everglades, sure. honestly. It's just like a boring subdivision. And uh, I was working with these guys that were mountain biking, and I had no idea mountain biking is what it was, what yeah. I'm doing now. Yeah. I thought we were going to get on a bike and ride around a lake that had a dirt road. Right. And we get out on these trails, and... We hit the warm up loop, like a big old yeah. sign that said, Hey, you're on the warm up loop. Yeah. So we do this warm up loop and we get done. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Like I'm out of breath, dying. I was like, You guys are messing with me, right? Yeah. Like they're like, No, that's it. I was like, All right, let's go. Yeah. And I did about two hours of mountain biking my first time. I got this bike that it probably broke the first day oh, out yeah. there. And uh, I was just like hooked ever since. And a real mountain bike yeah. versus the mountain bike that you see at Target. Yeah, you know, I, I had like a sporty, a sports. Yeah, you don't ever want to take your Kent or your Huffy or whatever it is out there because you're going to walk out with exactly two, two and your tail between your tires and broken frame. So I was. Uh, what's what's the place that's on? It's on uh, McDill, closer to Kennedy. Mm. 
It's a bike. Flying fish? No, that's on. Oh, they're closed now. No, that's on McDill. What am I thinking of? No, that's not on McDill. That's on. Outspoken? On Where am I thinking about? Huh. It's closer to the bank and there's Pipos, like the Cuban place. It's right up there, right past Swan on the I right know, hand I side. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On. Yeah, that is McDill. Is I don't know. McDill? Yeah. I've, Was that Outspoken Bikes? No, Outspoken's on uh, Dale Mabry over there by Beta Bay. Hmm. Anyway, that's Many. fine. The, the, one of the phenomena of this show is I forget fucking everything when I'm on the show. And as soon as it's over, I'll remember every location name and every other thing that I'm trying to think of. In any event, uh, I was there and this doctor came in. This, you could tell he was well-heeled guy. And his kid came in and this bike was like, it didn't, it didn't even look like the same species of what people think that's of as bikes. I mean, bikes. You know, the, the, the back forks kind of have shocks on yep. them and the tires look like, you know, Batmobile tires and everything. things. It's crazy. So in Florida though, mountain biking, like where, where are there trails just so everywhere? I, that's why, that's why I was like, Oh, I'm going to go around my bike around yeah. this lake with dirt, but yeah. apparent and they're man-made trails. Um, so I rode Markham park in South Florida. It was insane. I'm talking like, imagine a, a, a rigid skate park yeah. almost, you know, yeah. there's just jumps and drops and rocks. And then I moved out here i moved to tampa about eight years ago and uh after living in soho when i first moved here in my glory days yeah we, we rented a house out in lithia oh wow i had no idea what yeah. lithia was but yeah. it was a cool house i was like let's go live in lithia on an acre yeah so me and my now wife rented a house out there it was down the street from alafaya oh sure and uh there's bomboyette out there as well which from what i've been told is an old phosphate mine yeah so they're carved out and i mean you go out there i, I bring people out there and they're like what we did not expect this yeah. i never expected it sure but there's anywhere from a green, blue, double black diamond mountain bike trails. And some of the best trails in the state are in the country for enduro cross country mountain biking are here in Florida, in Tampa. Alafaya is rated like number one in the state. That's bad. And you have yeah. at least one child I know. I have one that I know of as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a boy <laughs> she, or a girl? She's a girl, Savannah. She is 17 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how's, she's, that, how's uh, that treating you? It's going great, man. I was... uh I was drinking working, a lot of coffee. Yeah. drinking a lot of coffee, but I was working full time. And then uh, COVID-19 popped off and we kind of kept grandma at home. And I went to like working full time to being a full time stay at home dad. Um, my wife's a nurse, so she's busy. And I've been staying home with the baby and I've kept her alive during the whole coronavirus quarantine thing. And we ride bikes every day. And that's awesome. Yeah, man. It's been a blast. I had never thought in my life I'd be a stay at home dad. How How have you adapted your business in the face of COVID? Um, so we're, we've definitely, uh, been on the fortunate side of things being a mostly to go concept anyways. Sure. Um, but we implemented online ordering. Um, we just had our, both of our facilities sprayed for sanitation and we, I, I gotta just thank our local community for like having our back during these times. Like the, it's been unreal the amount of support we've got. That's, so that's awesome. Yeah. We've been able to stay busy during this time and just now limited. do you have partners or are you the sole? So just, just me. Okay. Yeah. Just and me. is this the first business you've ever run? It's the first business I've uh, successfully run okay. through the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to have on some things. And I was yeah, yeah. Just I thought ideas. Looked, no. <laughs> um, so uh, how are you finding that? Are you enjoying that part of it? I mean, yeah, I really know, like it. Um, I had another venture with a partner and everything was great, but just like being able to just make, I have a really good team. So how I many people I, do you have working with you? I've got 
six employees total now. Okay. Uh, we had eight pre-quarantine and they left not because of quarantine and COVID, but they were going on to other ventures. I had a, a guy go to, off to the service. Um, so we're down to six now. So we're running that skeleton crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a great team and I, you know, I say I get to make all the calls, but I put it, I put it on their plate. Like it's a democracy. Yeah. You know, they're there all the time and say, what do we need to be successful? I'll make it happen. Now, did you have a, a background in healthcare? Were you a nurse or a, or a, I, uh, I was a prosthetic sales rep. I sold prosthetic legs okay. uh, out of college. Out of my year in college, I didn't get a degree, but um, I feel like there's a joke there. But uh, <laughs> I was selling prosthetic legs for about two years, uh-huh. and I moved here, met my wife, and the company wanted me to move. I wanted to stay, so yeah, I wound up staying in Tampa, and then I just did registration in the emergency room at uh, St. Joe's, okay. kind of an entry level position, and sure. didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and then started drinking coffee and so, got super lucky. So I know that we don't know what the future holds as far as you know is the earth going to be a burning cinder in six months or are things going to be back to normal and all that. But uh, hypothetically, if things do get back to semi-normal in the next, before the end of the calendar year, beginning of next calendar year, what is the vision for Spatty's Coffee? Are you, are you happy with where you're at? Do you want to grow? Do you want to spread further throughout Florida and national? What's, what's the. So uh, when I first started, I wanted to grow, you know, I wanted to have shops all across every cool city. I could, you know, yeah. Hey, Spatty's in Asheville, yeah. Sp- you know, Spatty's in Savannah, wherever yeah. I could, you know, find a cool town. Sure. And then after opening a second venture down in South Tampa, just realizing being a sole proprietor, you spread yourself thin, having a one-year-old at home. I think right now I've just kind of got the brakes on, growing well you're focusing on what's important so yeah that's, that's so cool. i want to have fun with my family and uh you know we have the shop right here which is in my backyard so i want to just keep these two shops community focused and try to keep that grassroots feel going without growing too fast right so uh not sure by design but somehow we kind of did this one backwards i kind of started at the end uh as far as your business without talking much about your background. So where are you from originally? I'm from South Florida, born and raised in South Florida, okay. uh, just outside Miami. Now you're a pretty tall guy. Did you play basketball? Did you play football? You I play- tried to play basketball. Yeah. I wasn't very good. Right. Um, I played baseball growing up okay. and then I actually. Pitcher? First baseman? First base. Okay. Pitcher, catcher. Got some height on um, you. And then, you know, like ninth, 10th grade, I was yeah. like, screw this. Let's just go smoke weed and not do Were you a school. skateboarder? Did you ride BMX? I was a fruit booter. A fruit booter. I was a skater, rollerblader. Oh, the, sk- the, the, uh, the skateboarders were, you know, oh, the, yeah. there was like a clash. No. So, so, so how old are you? How old? I'm 31 now. Okay. So I'm 14 years older than you are, but yeah, that, that puts you at right about the right age for when that was big. Yeah. Uh, I was like a freshman in high school. I was you were going getting to street park. hockey or doing any of that stuff. We used or? to play street hockey and sneakers as a kid, but I, yeah. I, I wound up when I was probably 10th grade, started playing golf. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I started playing golf with my dad. And, uh, still do that. I still do that, uh, for fun, but Did I you watch to, the, uh, the Jordan Bulls documentary, the last I, dance. I'm on episode two. Isn't it amazing? It is. It's, it's really so cool. good. I just finished watching it, but there's a huge part of it dealing with golf. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's an avid golfer. I mean, well, he's an avid golfer, but then he, he would, uh, when he was playing other teams, he would try and play the night before. And there's like one story about how, he plays Danny Ainge the night before a game and Danny Ainge beats the pants off of him on the golf course. And he like, so then Jordan scores like 69 points the next time <laughs> on the court. He's got like, to beat me on the court. Yeah. Well, and then there's, you know, all the stuff with the gambling and all, oh, yeah. all, all that other stuff. Yeah. I saw it. in the first episode, he kind of threw his team under the bus and like ratted them out. Yeah. Their partying habits. So yeah. Like, Whoa, Jordan. He, well, that was the old Bulls. <laughs> that was before the, the team that he was really with. But I think that was probably true. But there's, yeah, golf was my there's thing. There's too many of cocaine mustaches in sports in yeah. the in the you know early 80s, you know. Yeah. It was kind of 
I don't, I don't know that AC Green did it, but he just looked like <laughs> there's just people who have that look about him. Anyway, but uh, so golf, well, I mean, obviously Florida is a, a nice, yeah, you know, nice place to my uh My grandfather played golf his whole life, and I uh, I got hooked. I, I met a kid and that was on the golf team at my high school. Sure. And I was like, yeah, I play golf. And he looked at me like sideways. He's like, you don't play golf. I was like, all right, let's go play some golf. Yeah. And I wanted to play golf and then went home and told my dad. My dad got back into it. And from 10th to 10th grade in my senior year, I played high school golf. Oh, wow. And um, then I wound up playing for a Division II college in North really? Carolina, a small Division II college. Oh, so you do know North Carolina. And uh, uh, I, was I, mean, in, I was in Charlotte for a year as a okay. freshman in high school. I didn't venture out much. Uh, but I kind of focused more on partying than, yeah. than playing golf, unfortunately, yeah. and wound up getting kicked off the team and staying in Charlotte for a year, not going to school. Right. Just like I'm like, I'm, I'm 19 years old in a city that I don't know anybody. What am I doing? And then came back home and did the whole community college thing, gave that up. And just I didn't know what I wanted to do after, after. I don't, man. I'm an only. You're only child? I'm an only child. Love it. I'm an only child, too. Yeah. I keep telling my daughter she's going to be an only child, too. My wife's not too thrilled about that. but. Well, you know, that's a funny story because uh, I my dad didn't have me till he was 38. And I always felt like he was an older dad. Uh, and I didn't want to be an older dad. I wanted to be a younger dad. And I also, as an only child, you know, always thought I wanted brothers and sisters and all this other stuff. So my plan early in life was to have kids early and to have a few of them. Uh, but I met my wife in law school. She had been previously married. We decided that we kind of wanted to enjoy each other before, you know, encumbering ourselves right away. So we were married for 11, 10, 11 years before we had our oh, daughter, wow. who's now six. Um, and once we had my daughter, I was just so head over heels in love with her. Just, I mean, you know how it is with the little girls. I, I, I only know my experience because I've only lived it, but you know, there's always this thing about guys wanting boys and I really didn't care one way or the other, but I understand that, you know, you want someone you can go play sports, yeah. whatever the thing is. Um, but the love for this little girl, it's so intense yeah. and strong and passionate and it's insane. It's its own thing. And so when we had her, I was like, I don't think I could have another kid. Cause I feel like I'm cheating on her or like, how can I love another child as much as I love her? Is it going to take away from the love that I have for her? Is she going to feel less than, and that fucked with me a lot. It really did. And uh, finally we got around to having my son and, Luckily, all my fears went away, uh, and it's been thrilling to have them both. Uh, they love each other. To I, I can't tell you, my version of heaven is looking over at them with their arms around each other, watching TV, or my son leaning in to kiss my daughter on her forehead. I mean, I can pretty much die. Like that's, that's the highest achievement in my life. Just that's awesome that I put that into the world yeah, and the see fear that, so. of that second kid's definitely real. I told my wife like two days ago, I was like, man, I like our daughter. She's cool. I love her to death. Like, what if I don't like the next one? Right. Like, then, yeah. we'll, you know, like, well, obviously that on you know, sure. it's just a fear. It's just a comical fear. Well, and candidly, there's a lot to, uh, being an only child that probably the listeners on the show are bored to death of hearing because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> but uh, the impact of being an only child on your personality, your psyche, your anxiety with a lot of kids is very great because they become very empathetic with their parents because they don't have siblings to distract them. So they become very aware of their parents' stressors, their parents' issues and that sort of thing. So in that regard, I, I kind of like it. I also like the fact that when my wife and I expire, that 
my kids will have each other, hopefully. Yeah. So those things are all appealing to me, but I'm, I'm good at two. Yeah. I, my, my brother and sister-in-law have three. I'm like, you guys are fucking nuts. There's no yeah. way. It's like, God gave us two hands for a reason. We're one not boy, gonna... one girl is ideal. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a blessing. And, and they're, they're just amazing. My daughter's a little movie star. My son, you know, my daughter six, my daughter's six, my son is two. And my son is the coolest person I know. <laughs> He's got this stoicism about him. I'm not, I'm not very kind of, uh, what do you call it? I'm not into the mystical. I'm not into, you know, star signs or reincarnation or anything, but the phrase old soul, I've never seen it more applicable to a person awesome. than my son. We'll go into a room of people and he just, there's a look that he has on his face like he's read the room already. He kind of has sized everybody up. He knows what's going on. He's not shaken by it. He doesn't seem impressed or unimpressed, but I don't know. There's just something about him that it's, it's really kids are cool. funny, man. There's yeah. just like no filter too. Yeah. With these How's your, what's your daughter's personality like? She's a, she's definitely a firecracker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually funny you mentioned that because last night was the first night during lockdown that we actually took her out to a restaurant, went up to the, to the independent Yeah, and shout out to them. They have like amazing social distancing guidelines. I went there and, and agree, 100% agree. Yep. Like they shut down every table. Every other proximity. table was shut down. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, six of us, all family friends. And it was the first time she's been around everybody in the last what four or five months mm -hmm. and it took her a good like 10 minutes she's checking everybody out you just see her eyeing everybody up yeah and then like on that 11th minute she's like all right y'all are cool yeah and y'all are gonna do whatever i want to do in this next hour you yeah. guys eat dance and dance puppets. she's running over to somebody and like they're gonna put their glass of wine down and they're yeah. gonna put their food down and they're gonna give her 100 percent of their attention and she just she runs the show she's definitely uh she's a funny funny little kid too she's got a little sense of humor on her already that's badass so. Are you uh, much into music? A little bit, not not, not yeah. a big, not a big uh, music head. I yeah. like, uh, you know, I try to support like a lot of local artists, local and artists. stuff. And I'm a I'm a hip hop reggae guy. Yeah, something like the new school reggae. And did you go to the festival over in St. Pete when it comes reggae rise yeah. up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were supposed to go this year, but that that's got... killing me. So my my big thing is live music, yeah. and it's weird because I am not a social person. I don't like crowds. I kind of like to be a homebody and all this stuff. But the one thing I like going to see is live music. And I I, I think I'm correct in saying that I've not been to a show yeah. in 2020 and it freaks me Same. out. I think I've been in one show. Like we did a little show at Crowbar. Yeah. Before, well, you, uh, you, if you, I don't know if you've been following Tom and everything yeah. he's doing. To, yeah, and shout out to him. We yeah. actually, uh, so this Saturday, to the day after tomorrow, uh, with forward thinkers, we're doing a collaboration at our courtyard at Seminole Heights for Spatties, and we're doing a limited 30 person, uh, live, live concert. Oh, wow. If you want to come by, let me know. I would love to. I got to ask my wife. I think we're Bring going the kids. Then it's, oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a reggae band. I'm down. We've limited it to 30 people. Uh, we're fencing, we're fencing it all off. We're doing temperature checks at the door. Um, that's badass. Yeah. So it's, it's also intimidating because I don't want it to be like, Oh, Hey, we're, you know, Venues are closed. Bars are closed. We're doing something here at Spatties. So what we've done is we're, Spatties is closed. We're literally just using the property to, right. do this, to do this concert. The band's name is Akiva, A-K-I-V-A. Yeah. Yeah. So I they're coming that. to jam out in the courtyard on Saturday, 30 people. Oh, wow. um, it's going to be a good little time. So I had this idea and I was, at, I've talked to my buddy, uh, Greg, who is in Wolfface, uh, and then I've talked to Tom about it. Um, 
Did you see the uh, most recent Dave Chappelle special, the 846 or whatever? I did not. Are you aware of it? I've heard. So uh, he's done it. And then who's the guy that does Hot Pockets and the the comedian, pale guy with white blonde hair? He, oh, what's oh, you got me on that one. This is always going to kill me. I'll remember it as soon as it showed. Really big comedian, like one of the top, top five. Not for, he's not from Tampa. Not a- no, 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 no. He's a, you know, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, I'm going to Google it while I'm talking to you. Any event. Um, so what Chappelle did is he, you know, he lives up in like fucking Ohio, like in a farm or something. Um, and uh, he did this stand up routine where they did a generator in a farm. So they built a stage out of barrels and wood planks and shit. People park like way far away and they set these tables up like. 20 feet away from each other. So he basically built his own comedy club in the middle of a farm. So that this is recently during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is since George Floyd. I mean, this, this, yeah. Cause yeah. the whole routine's about that. So he did that. And it was interesting to me because uh, it was a great special, but he found a way to, to do his art in the face yeah. of what's going on. And it seemed like it worked pretty well. Well, then this other uh, comedian who I'm about to hopefully, uh, Jim Gaffigan is what okay. I'm of, who also has recently done a special like that. So let me put a pin in that. I, I'm a huge fan of Queens of the Stone Age and Caius and a lot of these uh, quote unquote desert rock bands. And one of the things that they always used to do is have generator parties. So they would go out in the middle of the desert with this big fucking generator, just plug in and they would play all night long. And I mean, there's tweakers out there and every other thing oh, going yeah. on, you know, but you know, we don't need a place. We don't need a, we yeah. don't need anything. We'll just do whatever. And, and I had this dream of doing something like that locally with local bands, a generator and just go out in the middle of Ocala yeah. or Lutz or wherever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I not understand I, 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 what my point is, is I'll be interested to hear how your situation goes yeah, because I'm interested too. You know, it sounds, it sounds like it's the first step in that direction. And, you know, hopefully we get back to go, being able to go to the crowbar, go to the Orpheum, go to the Ritz, go to wherever you're, you're you know, Janice landing, the, you know, whatever, what's the place now called the, they changed the name of the place in St. Pete on central. Anyway, um, they changed Janice? Not Janice. It's oh, a state uh, theater. They changed it to like yeah. St. Pete's Wine and Cigar Bar or some shit. I forget what it was. Everybody's all up in arms about it. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, hopefully that that comes back. But I would love it if a, a new venue or a new type of live music came about because of this. Yeah, it's. I mean, definitely, it's, things like this are going to, I think, change for the long term. It's a black swan event. I so there's this great book. Uh, I, I recommend it to everybody. Uh, it, some the title is something about black swan, but it talks about how these once in a lifetime things happen that completely change the direction of oh, yeah. society and the world. And for better or for worse, you know, that's happened with this. So to the extent that we can make the best out of it, whether it's with what you do, with what I do, with music, with art, you know, I'm really hoping that art, and I know that it will, because I mean, art has survived the Holocaust, has survived World War II, has survived, you know, fall of Roman Empire. It's survived. It's made it through everything. Everything. (laughs) It'll make it through COVID. But what that's going to look like afterwards is interesting to me. So yeah, a lot of virtual stuff and I can't tell you how much I appreciated you coming yeah. down and learn it before you go. Cause I wanted to ask you about this. Um, what, 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 what is green coffee or what are green coffee beans versus? Oh, so, mean? uh, 
coffee comes off the plant, okay. out of that fruit, it's a green bean. They dry okay. it. It's a green. It's literally, it, it tastes like crap. It smells like crap. Okay. And then it's imported and roasted. And once it's roasted, that's when you see that brown bean that you're used to seeing when you buy a bag of coffee. Okay. So what you're buying the from the farmer is the, uh, that's what yeah, you're Yeah. What about. you're buying from the farmer is the green bean. It's the raw product. Gotcha. Yep. So before you go, you've got two locations. You've yep. got the one on Gandy and McDill. Uh, Interbane McDill Interbane down in South Tampa where we share that one with Ross Smoothie Co. Okay. And then we have our original location here in Seminole Heights next to Fiato's Bakery on Florida Avenue. My receptionist is, is part of the Fiato family. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, great. And then you yeah. said you have an online presence where you can order from there as well? Um, yeah, we're doing all online order. Well, you can do online ordering now. We have a little retail merch shop online, spattyscoffee.com. Do you do any promo codes? Uh, right now, uh, if you use promo code seven two seven to eight one three. Okay, you get fifty percent off your online order through August thirteenth. Guys, the use that promo Tampa code. Bay. Go on there, get your coffee. Stop going to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts all the time. There's Man. there's 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 better stuff out there. <laughs> all right, Greg, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, by. Thanks it's been so real. Much. Thank you, man. Right. Appreciate you having me. 